Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. Romans chapter number 12 is where we're going to be. Romans chapter number 12. Um, my life feels like it's a frazzled mess right now, so that probably was reflected in some of our order of how we're doing stuff. We'll get it down here eventually. But for requests, we will take those at the end um, with, uh, I think Jordan is going to do those. And so anyways, we'll take prayer requests at the end. And uh, that way you guys can still have an opportunity to share those. But I'm going to try to run the kids' class. All right. So, anyways, Romans chapter number 12 is where we're going to be. Uh, we are starting a new series today entitled One Another. One Another. And so um, this will be a 10-week series just talking through scripturally uh, what it looks like to be a Christian and to be alongside of other Christians, how to operate the actual subtitle that we've given it is um, a guide to strengthening your God-given relationships. And here's kind of the, uh, I guess, the reasoning behind it, if we can tie it into what we've been doing and what we've been talking about. We introduced a couple of weeks ago the theme for our um, year. Does anybody remember what it is? I've already forgotten, have you? What was it? The harvest. the harvest. Looking to the harvest. The harvest will go with it, all right? Um, looking to the harvest, uh, basically... Uh, focusing outwardly um, rather than maybe focusing inwardly. And so we've talked about that for a couple of weeks, but one of the things that the Lord has really laid on my heart uh, over these next couple of weeks with this series is that it is something that I believe the world needs to see in us. Um, you see, it's one thing for us to have a burden for the harvest, but it's another thing for the harvest to actually have a desire for what they see in the church. Uh, too many times I believe that Christians just believe that, well, as long as we have a passion for the lost, then the lost will just be knocking at the door. And that's not always the case. In fact, I think that in some scenarios, not all, but in some scenarios, many people are still remaining in the harvest simply because of what they've seen from those who have been called out of the harvest or those who have been reached. And so for us as Christians, what the goal of this series is, is to learn how to interact, to learn what the goal of the church is, to learn how to love each other, to learn how to cooperate with each other. Because if those things are not happening, then let's just go ahead and realize that most likely Christians will, or the lost will not be attracted to what we have as Christians. And so Romans chapter number 12, we're going to start the series with this, uh, with lesson number one, members one of another. And so Romans chapter number 12 Verse 3 is where uh, our text begins. Let's read from verse 3 down to verse number 5. The Bible says this, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one 
members one of another. Would you read verse number five out loud together with me? Ready, begin. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. And so members one of another. Let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to help us, and then we'll get into, day, into today's lesson. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, I thank you that you not only call us, and Lord, you save us, but Lord, I thank you that you also put us into a community of other Christians called the local church. Lord, may we never view that selfishly. Lord, may we never view it pridefully. And Lord, may we never view it as, um, some, uh, as a priority above our relationship with you. Lord, I realize that there are many in this room that, Lord, sometimes their weeks feel busy. Lord, sometimes their weeks feel lonely. And yet, Lord, you call us to first and foremost have a relationship with you, but you also put us in a place to where we can have a relationship with those around us. And so may we stay focused on what the goal of that is. And I pray that you would give me the words to say as I speak. Lord, I pray that you would uh, just pray that uh, there would be application for these young adults. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, obviously, today is a big day in the sports world. Anybody know what today is in the sports world? Super Bowl Sunday, all right? Super Bowl Sunday. One of the things that um, I kind of nerd out on, I'm not a big, I don't really care who wins the Super Bowl because normally none of the teams that I actually like ever make it. And so, um, but I do enjoy the Super Bowl because of what all begins to be talked about around it. I enjoy kind of the little uh, sub stories of the people who grew up in the middle of nowhere and they never got an opportunity to, to play uh, like organized sports. And then all of a sudden here they are on one of the biggest stages of the world playing in the Super Bowl. I get caught up in maybe some of the, the drama or the trash talk or whatever. In fact, the other day I was looking at something on my phone and I was like really studying it. And my wife was like, what are you reading? Like so intently or what are you looking at? And I was like, it's just football drama. Like it was like, it was like someone had said something about so-and-so but one of the things that has come out actually in this year's uh, Super Bowl is that the age of the coach of the Los Angeles Rams is 35 years old he's going to be one of the youngest people to ever compete to win a Super Bowl as a head coach his name's Sean McVay and if you look into Sean McVay one of the things that you will find is that he is very intent on what he teaches his players in fact he has a little pyramid that he calls the pyramid of competitive success. And one of the, some of the stuff that's in there is that we're built on character. And the Rams have actually been known to dismiss some of their players for being on, for not being on time, which is probably a good thing to do. But um, he, he's got things in there like character. He's got things in there about selfishness. He's got things in there about how that they are a team, that they work as one. They're not individuals. It doesn't matter how popular you are, how much money this person makes. Everyone has a job to do. And so all of this teaching is really revolving and really showing the product that the Rams have made to where now they are standing on one of the biggest stages of sports and uh, other teams that maybe don't have some of those words and phrases and some of that culture are just fighting to maybe sign whoever they want to come back or they're losing players or they're losing fans or all this stuff. And there's a great difference between a team that is playing on Super Bowl Sunday and the last place team who hasn't played in two and a half months. And most of the time, that difference is how they view one another and how they work together as a team. And sometimes what I think that we miss as Christians is that the world actually does a great job of elevating good teams. Everyone likes to follow a popular individual, but the truth is, is that teamwork is recognized, it is noticed in the world. 
And sometimes my fear is that as Christians, we assume that, well, that's good for a football team to operate like that, but I don't have to operate like that in the local church. I don't have to operate like that in Christianity. And here's what we will see in this passage and really throughout this whole series is that Christianity is a team sport. Christianity is not an individual sport. Christianity is not reliant on one person. It's reliant on everyone functioning within the proper realm. And so with that in mind, one of the things that I want you to take a look at over the next couple, uh, over the next couple minutes is that I want us to begin to change how we view this. Just like those football teams have to change, they're bringing in millionaires, they're bringing in players from other teams, they're bringing in guys who they think they're the one-man show. And guess what? If they are going to be successful, it's going to be because they change the way that they look at some things. It's going to be that they change the way that they look at football. And so today, in the very first lesson, I want us to change the way that we view stuff by looking at three different thoughts. First of all is this. Let's change how to think. Let's change how to think. For many of us, we have been raised to where as long as our salvation is settled, there's nothing else left for us to do in the Christian realm. And to a certain extent, that is true. Your eternity is settled. Your salvation is settled. You've begun a relationship and a walk with the Lord. That's a great first step. But at some point, we have to begin to think bigger and broader than just, well, I'm okay, so I guess it's okay with everyone else. Well, as long as I'm good with the Lord, then it doesn't really matter. And in Romans chapter number 12, verse number 3 is on the heels of Paul writing to the church and the Christians at Rome. And he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, in verse number 1, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Verse number three follows that. And he says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Christianity is not a place where you get served, but a place where you have an opportunity to serve. I've used this before that we often hear the quote by John F. Kennedy, I believe, is who said it when he was president, when he said, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. The truth is, is in government world, that doesn't work, okay, in case you haven't noticed in 2022, all right? But in the church world, it should work. And many of the problems facing the world today is that there are Christians who sit in the chairs and in the pews who are here to be served rather than to serve. They're here to see what they can get out of the church rather than to see what they can give to the church. To see what they can offer of themselves. A, a sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God is what Paul says in verse number one. And so we need to change how we think or what we think about in regards to working with one another. In regards to serving. The first thing we need to change how we think is that we need to begin to think selflessly. We need to begin to think selflessly. Verse number three says this. He says to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. As a society, 
we have been trained to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. Okay? In case you haven't noticed and done a good look at social media here lately, no one's really coming to the year of 2022 and just really marked by their humility, are they? And yet Jesus Christ, through the Apostle Paul, writes in verse number 3, he says, if you're going to get along one with another, if you're going to work alongside of each other, if you are going to be successful in this thing called Christianity, it will be because you, re you assume the position of selflessness. It will be because you begin to think of yourself less. It will begin to be as you say, I'm not going to think of myself more highly than I ought to. And so if we are going to work alongside of each other, if we are going to see the Lord do something through us, it will be because he gets the glory and not us. It will be because we think and focus ourselves on him and not on who gets the credit. And once again, some of this almost sounds like a team building talk, but can I just walk you through something? The one of the greatest teams ever developed is in scripture. The, some of the best leadership principles that have ever been taught are right here in God's word. And when we talk about it, when we look at something like a football team, we're like, oh man, they, they've they built a great team. No, they've taken principles that we as Christians should already be practicing. They've taken the principle of selfishness and said, if we're going to be a good team, you can't be selfish. And yet, for some reason in Christianity, we have the term celebrity pastors, okay? We begin to think of our needs before we begin to think of the needs of others. And let me just say, just so you don't, don't miss the great, my graciousness in this, okay? That does go in seasons. Some of you have had difficult times. Some of you have had sickness in your family. I'm not talking about some of those instances. I'm talking about habits. I'm talking about if you show up to church and it is sit in the seat and what can I get and then who, not, rather than who can I go and serve or, or what can I do to find my needs being met in this place rather than what can I do to meet the needs of another. So think selflessly. And then uh, secondly, we need to change how we think to begin to think soberly. He says this, not to think of himself more highly than, than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. I don't know that we ever set back and deal with the thought of what happens if the church fails on our watch. I understand the room and the people that I'm talking to, and so I, I don't want you to, I don't want you to take this critically, okay? But there is something more to church than just having friendships, okay? There's something much bigger in play in this world. It's great that you have Christian friends. I'm for you having a Christian environment. I'm for community and relationships and all of that. But if those do not breed, first and foremost, a greater heart for God, and secondly, a greater heart, heart for those that are lost, then it is not fulfilling its purpose. I don't think 
and this is maybe wrong, but I don't think that the church of 2022 reflects the church of the book of Acts. I don't think that we can sit here and say that the church is all about what happens inside these doors and all about who we get to connect with in here. And all of that is great. And I understand that we're in the South and nobody's lost. At least it feels that way sometimes, all right? But the church should be a place that has a serious and a selfless focus. To where when we walk in this on these doors, it's not necessarily an opportunity for me to go and hang out with the same three people I always hang out with. It is an opportunity for me to go and talk to someone that I never get to talk to. Do you want to know some of the most encouraging conversations you can have in a church environment? Some of the most encouraging conversations you can have in a church setting is when you go and find someone you've not talked to before. It's when you go and begin to hear what, what God did to lead them here. How they ended up here. And yet so many times, here's what we begin to do. The only thing we take serious is that which affects us. Oh, well, I'm going to take this serious because I'm going to get banged for my buck on this. When Christ calls us to begin to think soberly about something that is much bigger. So first of all, change how we think. But secondly, change the, or change the way that we view on how we work or how to work. He says in verse number four, he says, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. He says we have many members, which means this, that we should begin to work uniquely. We should begin to work uniquely. <coughs> Your job is not going to be the same as my job. Doesn't mean it's either is less or more important. Okay? Sometimes we get in this world to where we think that just because someone stands up front makes their job more important. Okay? And I'll just be honest with you, there's some Sundays where I wish I wasn't the one standing up front. All right? I get tired of, I told my, my poor wife now has to listen to me teach, I think like, it feels like 17 times a week. I don't know how many it is, all right? I told her, I was like, you're going to get sick of hearing my obnoxious voice. Like, there's sometimes where I just feel like I would, I would be more effective if I just stood up here and went, <laughs> okay? That's how it feels sometimes. Like, oh, I got to come up with something else to say again, all right? But that doesn't mean that someone else's job who's taking out the trash is less important. It doesn't mean that someone else cannot lower themselves to a different job or raise themselves to it. You want to know one of my favorite things to do? One of my favorite things to do is ask someone to teach who doesn't want to teach. Okay? So if I ever ask you, it's because I'm, I'm punking with you. All right? I'm like, I, I love doing because I love to see their face. Like, uh, are you sure? Like, let me, let me pray about it. Oh, was God going to say no? Like, no, I don't want you to share the Bible, okay? I love doing that because here's why. I think that sometimes we become so self-dependent that we go and we look for the people who are qualified rather than the people who sometimes need to be a little bit God-dependent. Can I tell you where I'm at right now in my life is that there are many days and weeks where, that are going by to where I sit down and I literally pray, Lord, what would you have me to do right now because I have no clue. 
What do you want me to teach? Because I have no clue. Lord, help me because I don't know what I'm supposed to say. So hopefully you give me something to say. If you've been in this class long enough, you know I always find a way to manage the, to fill the time. All right? So the Lord gives it. Or I come up with it. Either one. I don't know. But what we have to step back and understand is that when we are many members, that means that your job is unique to you and my job is unique to me. And the person that you sit beside, their job is unique to them. And none of them is less important. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 talks about how that the body works together. Did you know that if you lose your big toe, there's going to be things that are out of whack in the body, aren't there? You're not going to be able to run the same way. You're not going to be able to walk the same way. Some of you, you've, you've done manual labor. If you sit behind a desk all week and then you do manual labor like one day a month, okay? There's going to be some stuff that pulls a different way the next morning. Like, oh, wow, that was not good. Or if you sit the whole day and you, and you decide, if you stand the whole day and you decide to sit the whole next day, there are things that feel out of whack just because of the way that we have been set up and created by God. And the same is true with the body of Christ. We are unique. And here's what I want you to see, okay? Sometimes in the church and in the context of a body, we look at things and we think, huh? why is that there? Why, why does that matter? And sometimes we are guilty of looking at people in the local church the same way. Why are they here? Like, they're annoying. They're weird. What, what job does God have for them? But here's what we have to step back and see. Is that if God is responsible for adding to the body, he's not going to give us a member that is not useful. Did you hear me on that? He's not going to give us a member that is unuseful. From the five-year-old who rode in on a bus all the way to the 95-year-old who scuffed in here on a walker. They have a purpose in the body. And if you are called to serve, that means that you are responsible to help them find their unique calling. I love hearing the stories of people who, there's no ministry that's necessarily created. We had a lady a couple years ago who called into the church and she said, I just want you to know I can't go soul winning, I can't do this, but I have a phone book and I literally call people through the phone book. And I call and invite them to church. She's like, I'm, I'm bedridden, I just sit here, and so I've got a phone, I'll call and invite people to church. We didn't have a phone ministry, okay? We didn't have to give a sign-up sheet for that. She looked at what she had, she looked at her giftings, she looked at maybe what she had available to her, and she said, this is how I serve. And for some of us, we can't serve unless we have a t-shirt and a lanyard and matching socks with the people on our ministry team, okay? And unless there's a cool picture, well, am I going to get spotlighted as volunteer of the week? No, probably not, okay? But what we have to understand is that everyone's calling and gifting is unique. So first of all, work uniquely. Secondly, work unified. Work unified. While everyone's calling and purpose and gifting should be working uniquely, it should all still be driving in the same purpose. Tonight, if you watch any of the Super Bowl, here's what you will find. 
is that they don't put the 300 pound guy out on the side and say, run as fast as you can and we'll throw it to you, okay? That's normally not their calling and gifting. But I can promise you that the 300 pound guys know that if they do their job well, it benefits the team and it serves the purpose. They're not going to do the same. They're not going to be the guy that has to have a strong arm and throw accurately and, and run away from people as they chase them. Football is actually a very terrifying sport if you think about it, especially the bigger people get, all right? I'm all, I'm all about like two-hand touch football or flag football, all right? I'm not about like someone landing on my leg. Sometimes I watch that stuff and I'm like, I'm hurt just watching that. Like, especially the older I get, I just get sore, all right? Get sore thinking about it. But work unified. Everyone is driving towards the same goal and the same purpose. And thirdly, and we'll fly through these, we not only need to change the way that we think and change the way that we work, but we need to change the way and our viewpoint of how to win. How to win. How do we win as a body of Christ? Sometimes what we look at as a win is we look at a we look at a new building as a win. We look at a full classroom as a win. And by the way, those are good parameters, okay? But sometimes we shoot for those goals before we shoot for the goal of scripture. And in verse number 5, the Bible says this. Is it says, "So we being many are one body, and every one members one of another. So we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another. In the business world, most companies are very good, at least the ones that are successful, at identifying what a win looks like. What Standard or what scoreboard do we have to where we measure success? In sports, there is a standard that measures success, okay? If you're shooting for the gold medal, Winter Olympics are going on right now, okay? If you're shooting for the gold medal and you get the bronze or the silver, silver or the bronze, okay, for those of you who are nitpicking, all right? Then guess what? You did not achieve your ultimate goal. Were you better than what maybe your other people? Absolutely. But if your goal was the gold, did you fall short? Absolutely. A Super Bowl. If you win the Super Bowl, are you better than 31 other teams? Or if you lose the Super Bowl, are you better than 31 other teams? Yes. But there's still one team better than you. Did you fulfill the goal? And sometimes what we do as Christians, and I already said this, but I want to hone in on it for just a second. Because we assume that if we're building and we're doing this and things are full and things are and things are clicking along that we are successful. And here's what Paul says in this verse. He says, the way that you win in Christianity is not so much about the size and the depth of it, but how much you are functioning and focused on what actually matters. And so the way that we win one another, the way that we succeed in the church as Christians is this, is that we must win, we must win together. We must win together. It is not enough for 20 members of Crosspoint 
to be growing spiritually and leaving 30 members of Crosspoint in the dust. That's not a win. That's not what Christ wants. Will it happen? Probably. That's human nature. But that's not the goal. The goal is not for 10% of the church to do 100% of the work. That's not what Christ wanted. The goal was that everyone found what God had called them to do, and they won together. You read through the book of Acts, and you will find a running theme throughout it of unity. A theme to where their success was not based on how good they were at something, but how unified they were in one thing. The book of Acts, we see revival because everyone was focused on it. Because when someone new came in, they said, this is what we're doing. You can get on the train, you can get on the bus, this is where we're headed. But when we win, we win together. Here's my challenge to you. As a Christian, as a young adult, I want each and every one of you to be growing. But I also want you, God also wants you, forget what I want, God also wants you to be having someone that you are running alongside of and helping in their growth. Someone that you are putting your arm around and you're saying, hey, let's go together. Let's serve together. Here's a need. Let's fill it together. Let's serve one another. You're down. I'm going to pick you up. Just the other day, I got to, my son is playing U8 basketball, okay? And um, we've got a pretty good team, but we've also got some really little guys on it, okay? Like, really little. And there's this one little boy but like, bless his heart, he's so tiny, but he just loves basketball. Well, yesterday, he scored his first two points. And like, he went crazy, his mom went crazy, like, like, and like the, the guys on our bench, they were going crazy. And so as soon as, uh, I, like, I think there was like three minutes left in the quarter, and I looked at all the guys on the bench, and I said, as soon as this quarter ends, or as soon as there's a dead spot, I said, you guys run out there and you give Jace a big old hug and a big old high five. And you know what? It was cool to see all of it. You tell that to a bunch of junior hires, and they're going to go, oh, why? But you tell it to a bunch of six, seven, and eight-year-olds, and they're going to be pumped up like, yeah, let's do it. Like, let's go out there. Like, <laughs> let's get jacked up for Jace, right? Like, forget jacked up for Jesus. We're going to get jacked up for Jace, all right? And as soon as that buzzer sounded, all four or five of them that were on the bench, they ran out there and they hugged him. And, like, he didn't know what was happening. He was like, why are people running? And they gave him high five and they patted him on the back. And, and he was, like, high-fiving them. And he got two or three more shots. And every time he shot, it, would, it wouldn't go in. He was like, oh, like... But that's the way Christianity should look. Man, someone does something, or someone gets in on something, you go all in and you pick them up. You, oh, this is great, this is great. I'm excited for you, this is awesome. Someone's down, you go pick them up. And for whatever reason, we make that make sense in sports, but then we come sit in a church service and we hear of people who are having deaths in their family, who have sickness in their family, and we're kind of like, well, well. Hope it gets better for you. And yet many of you, if you played a sport and someone got knocked over, you were the first one there to help pick them up. And in Christianity, God has called us to that as well. 
So know how to win. We win together. But then lastly is this, and we'll be done. We win eternally. We win eternally. He says this, we are many members of the body of Christ. Of the body of Christ. Meaning this, that if we turn this body into being about us, there will be no eternal impact. I want you to let the Holy Spirit do the work here, okay? I want to say less and let God do the work, okay? But when was the last time you stepped back and you looked at your life in the church and you said, what am I doing that is impacting eternity? I don't mean this in a bad way. I know we're all going to get together next Sunday night after church. But the truth is, feeding you sub sandwiches and um, soup and a dessert and playing... Ooh, we don't even have a sound system. I don't know what that was. All right, Someone sliding a chair on the roof. <laughs> but the truth is, is that does not impact eternity. And sometimes what I look at as as a church and even as a class and this is one of the things that I want to change so badly in this for us in this room that I can't hardly stand it okay but the Lord has to lead in it is that for many of you your church life is busy man Sunday mornings you look like a chicken with your head cut off I tell everyone like Sunday is not a day of Sabbath it is a day of insanity all right like, my watch has already told me, like, congratulations, you're up and moving more than what you normally are. It's like, oh, shut up. I know. Like, I don't need you buzzing and to tell me that. All right? And I love Sunday. I wouldn't trade anything about it. But here's what sometimes I do on Sunday night is I sit down and I think, wow, that was crazy. That was wild. That was busy. And I think, did I do anything that mattered? Did I do anything that was for someone else? Or sometimes I, you remember the, you remember, some of you guys watched Charlie Brown, right, growing up. You remember the teacher that Charlie Brown had that didn't ever say real words? Like sometimes that's how it feels on Sunday mornings. Like everyone's talking and I'm like, what? who do I need to be listening to? Like, am I listening? Like, I need to shake my head or like sometimes I've told you guys that I've said how before to people like that's just where my brain is sometimes okay I'm not proud of it but I'm just being honest all right and what we've got to step back and see is that at some point what we are called to do is not just have a place where Christians gather but have a place to where something is happening for eternity and mattering for someone outside these walls not in this place. I'll close with this illustration. Neil Armstrong was interviewed uh, many years after his trip to space. And one of the things that they asked him, they said, what was really the main thing that when you step back and you look at that moment, what do you, what do you marvel at? What, what is just unbelievable to you? And he said, what was unbelievable, unbelievable to me was when I got to space, he said, and everything went off 
as it should have. He said, I sat there and I thought about the 20 to 40,000 hours of work that was put into this moment. He said, I did my part, but when you step back and you thought about the scale of how many other people played a role in that and the thousands and thousands and thousands of hours that was put into that moment, it was mind-blowing to him. Outside of whatever he saw in space, the most mind-boggling thing to him was the, was the part of the teamwork that it took to get them there. And here's why that worked. And here's why projects like that are really, to some extent, almost unfathomable. Is they work because everyone's focused on a bigger picture. Everyone's focused on something that is much bigger than themselves. The guy who's taking the trash can out and the the trash out in the design room that's building the spaceship, it may seem like he has an insignificant job, but you better bet that guy's telling his grandkids one day, I took the trash out in the in the space the or in the space in the room that they designed the spaceship. That's a that sound no, it doesn't matter. But you better bet there would be some nerdy engineers that if they had lots of pieces of paper filed around them, they would be a little bit upset. And it may sound insignificant, but in that moment, that guy's job mattered. Because there was a bigger picture. And it may feel like your job, and, you, and well, I'm just going to kind of float through church. I'm just going to kind of fill it out, and just kind of see and pray about where I want to serve, if I want to serve. It may feel like that's insignificant, but I can promise you that one of these days, when you stand before God, and you, face, and you come face to face with Jesus Christ, that there will be a moment where you will realize or regret that you did not do more of what mattered. That you did not stay focused enough on what was actually important. And when we win, yes, we win together, and there is going to be a rah, rah, rah time in heaven. But we also win when we impact eternity. When what we do actually matters to God. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to pray. Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.